You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hey friends, welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and this is episode number 407. Today, I am renewing one of the top downloaded podcasts, and I'm sure you saw why when you looked at the title. It's because it's about adrenal dysfunction and stress, and it's something that most of us deal with, especially during the holidays and post-holiday, which is, if you're listening to this live, this is the season that we are in. And personally for me, this has been a high-stress season, (laughs) not just with work, but also with kids and school and sicknesses. And I am experiencing, personally, I've been experiencing burnout. So I'm going to be taking a few weeks of a break. We are doing a holiday break, and I'm really excited about that. But I just need I, I need a break, um, and I come to you honestly with that because it it you know we see all the the things that people produce. We see all the good. We see the highlight reels. We see the Christmas cards. We see the reels and the posts and the stories, but we don't see all the times in between that. And the times in between that for me have been a lot. We've been dealing with a lot at home just with our, (laughs) yes, this is a challenging age for children and just getting accustomed to school life and sickness. And I've been noticing that my adrenals, I've been getting some symptoms again of adrenal dysfunction. So I think that this is such a timely episode. I hope that you guys get a lot from it. A couple things to note. Uh, This episode is with Dana Monsies, and she has changed her Instagram handle, so I will link to her most recent Instagram handle and her new podcast in the show notes so that you can follow her. Also, we talk about a few things. We mention adrenal fatigue constantly, and while Dana does a great job of explaining what adrenal fatigue actually is, why that's a myth, and it's actually more something more like cortisol resistance or the body not responding to cortisol anymore, we do use the term adrenal fatigue throughout this episode. So Dana is actually a dietitian, nutritionist, and she's a body image coach specializing in neutral nutrition for chronic health conditions, gut, and adrenal issues, which I totally love. And I did listen to this podcast again because I want to make sure, you know, nutrition changes, guys, and things change. And there are some concepts and things that might be slightly outdated, but like the pregnenolone steal, we know that the body isn't necessarily stealing pregnenolone to make other to make stress hormones. However, um, I think that there's still a lot of good that can be taken from here. And we talk about type A people or people in CrossFit because back when we recorded that, this, this was years ago. And back when we recorded this, CrossFit was still pretty big. So even though we're referencing type A personalities and in, in CrossFit, truthfully, now in this modern era, I think you can also not be doing CrossFit and not have a type A personality and still absolutely struggle with adrenal dysfunction. And you could be doing very normal cardio and exercise and still struggle with adrenal dysfunction. So keep that in mind. And that's just a little side note um, because it does apply to many people and even to today's new stressors. So let's get to the interview. 
So tell me a little bit about your story because when I was researching you and your website and all the things, of course, we have um, been Instagram friends for a while and we had the pleasure of meeting at our book signing because you're actually semi-local, I mean, in the greater DC area, which is awesome. Um, I was digging into a little bit more about your story and your on your website and it seems like you have quite the story. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about... Uh, your background and your personal experience with adrenal fatigue and what that looked like and how you got to where you are today. Yes, my story is messy <laughs> to make a long story short, but not really because there's no way that you can completely shorten up my story. Um, basically, I from when I was a little kid, I had a really uh, messed up relationship with food and my body, as I know a lot of your listeners do, because I am one of them. <laughs> um, but so that really morphed into a lot of different things and me playing a couple of different what I like to call body conscious sports through high school and then in college, like playing volleyball and then swimming through college. It was always something that was very present in my life because half the time you're running around half naked in a swimsuit and it's like very body aware and everything like that. And now being a swim coach, I also see like the other side of that of kids growing up in that atmosphere. But so I was also a very perfectionistic type of person. My brother used to just call me the most intense person he knew. I was super type A, like, you know, I'm basically describing many of the people who listen to this show. But these are also the kinds of people that are prone to getting something like adrenal fatigue. So how I got there. Again, I had this messed up relationship with food in my body that turned into an eating disorder in college and for a year or two after college as well. Um, but what really drove me into adrenal fatigue was the type A perfectionist mentality that I carried through basically every aspect of my life with me from controlling my food to over exercising, to trying to be perfect in school, to trying to control everything about my body, trying to control everything about work when I got into the real world. Um, but what really tipped me over the edge besides having no concept of how to manage any of this kind of stress. It was just something that I had come to live with and I accepted that I was just kind of a go, go, go kind of person was the first year out of college, I went to go work on a political campaign in like a new place that I had never been to before. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. And if you've ever worked in the field on a campaign, it's it's like the most unhealthy lifestyle you could ever be in because especially towards the end of the election cycle, you're working like 18 to 20 hour days to make sure you're getting everything done. Like my typical day on the campaign was I would drink a Starbucks red eye with breakfast, which wasn't really much food to begin with. So like a grande coffee with an extra shot of espresso, I would have like a Red Bull at lunch and then another coffee with dinner to keep me up until, you know, 11 or midnight and then wake up the next day at five or six and do it all again. And you sound like you were somebody straight off of the West Wing, that show yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. If you ever see any of them, they're literally there at 5 a.m. and they like stay till 2 a.m. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Exactly. It's yeah. crazy. And yeah. honestly, you're running on pure adrenaline. Um, at that point, because I don't even know how we all function. Like you're not eating well at all. You're not exercising at all. You have no time to take care of yourself. You're not sleeping like too way too much caffeine and all of this stuff. And it was just like the perfect storm for completely throwing my body for a loop. And then afterwards, of course, being the perfectionist that I was, 
um, and still not having completely gotten rid of my eating disorder. After I was done with the campaign, I was like, okay, well, uh, time to get back on track and get back into the gym and start eating super healthy. And I went paleo and then I did a whole 30 and all these things. And what we don't realize is that the stress that we carry around every single day of hating our bodies and trying to control our food and trying to control our exercise and trying to perceive or trying to control what others perceive about us by controlling our food and exercise is a constant stress that can actually push us over into adrenal fatigue. So for me, I had all of that as my background and I was also a super intense person as my brother would say. And then Basically working on the campaign and all of those physical stressors that I then internalize on my body caused me to completely crash. And it also goes to say that after I had crashed, I didn't know what adrenal fatigue was. I didn't even know what Whole30 was or anything about this stuff was at that point. So naturally I signed up for a CrossFit gym. And as we will probably talk about with these questions, CrossFit and spinning and all these high intensity interval training exercises are the worst thing for anyone who is like teeter tottering on the brink of adrenal fatigue or who has adrenal fatigue because those kinds of exercises are very cortisol producing. They induce more stress, even if you perceive that that stress is a good quote unquote stress to you or like a positive stress, or you're trying to use that as a way to mitigate your stress. That and my perfectionistic tendencies and trying to eat perfect and all this stuff definitely pushed me into adrenal fatigue, which I found out by Googling all of my symptoms that I was having. And then I was also seeing a naturopathic doctor and she did a cortisol panel on me, a DHEA panel, all of these things, which are um, hormone panels. And they tell you where your stress response is based on your cortisol and your DHEA, which is a precursor to steroid hormones like testosterone and estrogen and progesterone and all of these other things. And then I learned about the pregnenolone steel, which I know you guys have talked about before. And it was all just this like cluster of things that I had realized that I had put myself into. And it was kind of like, oh my God, how do I get out of this? And this was almost six years ago. So it's not like now when everyone has either heard of adrenal fatigue or there are like countless articles on the internet about adrenal fatigue and nobody really knew what it was back then. And we used to think that your adrenal adrenal fatigue meant your adrenals were just getting tired because they were so stressed out and they just stopped producing cortisol. And it was all just very confusing. And I can honestly say it took me basically changing my outlook on my body, on the way on other people thought about my body, like stopping caring what people think and changing almost my personality from a type A to like more of a type B for me to get out of adrenal fatigue. And along with that, like completely changing the way I ate, completely changing my exercise, completely changing my mindset. Like it was not an easy thing. Or I can't tell you if it took, you know, a month, two months, six months, because it Seems like it took a very long time, but I'm finally past it. So uh, here we are. <laughs> wow. And so how did you know that you were finally past it? I mean, it seemed like you had to do a lot. It seemed like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was a lot more of like mindset shifts and changing your, I don't want to say changing your personality, but changing how you operated, changing how you how you processed, changing what you thought, what you believed. And then that's when things started to fall into place because I think what you're saying is, 
the things you were, the way you were acting, the way you were working out, the way you were thinking about food, that is all the things that kind of compiled and created this situation. So how, you know, how did you know that finally you had kind of been healed, but also what was that, what does that process look like now for you as you've kind of had to, I'm sure it's something that you continue to kind of fight in terms of your personality type, because I feel (laughs) like that's, you're kind of speaking my story here too, which is like there, we had one way of operating and now we have a different way of operating, but it's kind of hard not to go back to that old way sometimes or have those, you know, those thoughts and at least be able to process them and kind of talk talk them away. So what does that look like for you now? It's definitely been like ebbs and flows, I will say, because there was a point when I had all this stress and then I kind of crashed and I realized, okay, I can't do that again because when you get something like adrenal fatigue, you have to think about what put me here in the first place. And for most people, it's intense exercise in addition to a lot of other stressors. And so it's funny because a lot of people are like, okay, I have adrenal fatigue and I'm doing all of this CrossFit and stuff. Like how much CrossFit can I do? Or can I keep doing CrossFit? Well, if, if that was one of the things that helped put you in adrenal fatigue, then your answer is no. And I'm sorry. Cause like, I get it. I'm a CrossFit coach. I've been doing CrossFit for seven years now and I love it, but it is a dose dependent thing depending on where you are in adrenal fatigue, but okay. Backing up. So how I knew when I was completely out of it. Um, It was definitely like a gray area, gradual process. I knew I was completely over it when I could. And this took, I mean, I had to take almost, I think like six or eight months completely off of exercise. And then I was going to one yoga class a week. And then I was going to two yoga classes a week. And it like gradually ramped myself back up until I could do some light weight lifting and like nothing intense or anything. And it probably took me two years after I had finally like crashed to be able to go back to a CrossFit workout and not feel totally flattened for days afterwards. So that's how I knew that I had completely gone on the other side. Um, And then, you know, you don't feel completely exhausted throughout the day. Not everyone seems overly demanding to you. Like you can sleep through the night. You don't have super low blood pressure anymore. You know, all of these things like the physical symptoms. But then in terms of the mindset, um, it was actually really interesting because I was speaking to my naturopath about this. In addition to my um, really intense personality, I used to listen to like super hardcore EDM music all the time to just like fuel me through like all of my homework that I was <laughs> yeah. doing in college and like workouts and we stuff. We were like, like twins. We were yes. literally twins. Okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I still love that music, but I knew that I had made a big shift because I started listening to like acoustic music and I was like, oh, this is cool. Or, you know, I started seeing the value in going for a walk with my dog as a, you know, my movement for the day, instead of having to like sweat and kill myself and finish a CrossFit workout and be panting on the floor afterwards, you know, as a valuable form of exercise. Um, but the mindset stuff too, like I knew I was completely over the adrenal fatigue and the eating disorder and everything. When I stopped hating my body and I stopped trying to control my food and my exercise and honestly really like just surrendered and started trusting in the process because one of the hardest things about adrenal fatigue and disordered eating is that if you've been controlling your food and exercise for so long to try and become a smaller person or take up less space, less physical space and I guess mental, emotional space too, 
But you kind of have to accept that in order to heal, especially because I also had um, like I had lost my cycle. I'd had hypothalamic amenorrhea and it was like the only way for me to get my cycle back and to get all of this everything back into balance was to come to terms with the fact that I was going to have to gain weight and I was going to have to be okay with that. Because a lot of the time when people are recovering from adrenal fatigue, I get emails from readers about this all the time. They're like, I'm in adrenal fatigue and I can't lose weight. What do I do? How can I lose weight? The first thing I tell them is you have to let go of that conception that you need to take up less space, that you need to be smaller in order to be worthy, in order to be moral, in order to be all of these things. Because if you're still holding on to the conception that you need to lose weight in order to be happy, you're never fully going to heal from adrenal fatigue because you're going to continue to try and use food and exercise and all of these stressful things to try and control your body. And that's never going to allow you to completely heal. Which again is like a, is a mindset thing. It starts all with your thinking and your belief system. And a lot of times that is like, you have to take, you have to break apart all the things that you have, you have learned from growing, growing up as a woman in this society, which is not easy, right? I mean, it's, it's really completely changing the way you view yourself and your body and how you exist in the world. And that's really tough. That can be really, really tough. Just like, I mean, your listeners probably know this because you've said it so many times, but just like we can't fix our relationship with food and our bodies with more restriction or another diet, you can't fix adrenal issues by creating more stress for your body. Right. Right. And whatever that looks like, you have to figure out just like if we're trying to dismantle the lies that we keep telling ourselves about our relationship with food and our bodies, you have to go back and figure out why did I get adrenal fatigue in the first place? Why, how, like, what were the mechanisms that were causing so much physical stress on my body that it literally just couldn't handle it anymore? Because it's like, if you're exercising intensely, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're stressing about the fact that you can't lose weight, no matter what, the reason for that is because you have adrenal issues. And part of the reason you have adrenal issues is because of those stresses like exercising intensely or controlling your food or hating your body. So it's this whole vicious cycle that you have to figure out where did it start so that we can start to get out of it. Mm, yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about adrenal fatigue in general as a thing? Because there's obviously been a lot of controversy about it. We've talked about it on here, but I feel like it's it's something that still is being unpacked, but also we can't, you know, it's it's great to talk about in general because it is a topic that so many people deal with. And it, I think we went through this phase when it was, when it was like, oh, adrenal fatigue, this is a real, this is a thing, you know, like women are dealing with this. And then we're like, but it's not real. And so then we confused a lot of people and people are like, but well, so what's wrong? Do, is, my, is it my adrenals? Is it not? Like, what are we talking about? Is this semantic? So talk a little bit about adrenal quote unquote fatigue what that means and what that looks like and what's actually in terms of like the physiology, like what's happening. Yeah. So adrenal fatigue is a thing, but it's also not a thing. <laughs> and that's a very political answer of way, of way of saying like you, when you get adrenal fatigue, they called it adrenal fatigue because one of the side effects is chronic fatigue and all of the things that go along with that. However, unlike what we used to believe about adrenal fatigue, it's not called that because the adrenals are getting tired and they stop producing cortisol, which is your body's stress hormone that is produced by the body in response to stress and released by the adrenal cortex. So 
The newer understanding that makes a lot more sense is that when you have chronically high cortisol levels from being exposed to like constant daily stressors, whether they're big or small, positive or negative, as we were talking about before, this can actually lead to something called cortisol resistance, which is caused by a decrease in the cortisol receptor sensitivity. It's also super similar to kind of give an analogy here as how the body responds to a constant intake of refined high glycemic carbohydrates like insulin resistance, which is when you leave that untreated can lead to metabolic syndrome and even diabetes. But it's funny because when we talk about insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity, like we don't say the pancreas gets tired and like diabetes isn't pancreas fatigue. You know, it's not like the pancreas is stopping producing insulin. It's that the pancreas isn't releasing more insulin because insulin is normally released in response to eating carbohydrates in order to shunt those carbohydrates for energy into our cells to be stored as glucose. But what happens is when we already have enough stored energy and when there's enough like carbohydrates and blood sugars floating around and insulin realizes there's no more place for it to put the stuff, the pancreas is like, well, I don't need to put any more insulin out here because there's already so much that the body doesn't know what to do with it. So this is super similar to what happens with cortisol in what we would call adrenal fatigue, is that when we're exposed to these constant daily stressors, whether it's stress about your body or food or physical stress from exercise, or, you know, you have a death in the family or like all of these things or a stressful job relationship, everything together, your stress bucket basically bubbles over and in your body, the cortisol or, and the adrenals are like, well, we don't need to release any cortisol anymore into the system because there's so much of it already. If we released any more, it wouldn't make any difference to the physical response that the body is having. One thing that I do believe happens is in adrenal fatigue or cortisol resistance or HPA axis dysregulation, if you want to call that, which is hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, because all of these are... Uh, working together in what we call adrenal fatigue and thyroid issues and everything is that in the stages of adrenal fatigue, there is something that is basically like a bell curve. Normal cortisol levels throughout the day, um, they rise in the morning, about 4 a.m. they start to rise, 8 a.m. they rise so you can wake up. They're supposed to be the highest at noon. Then throughout the rest of the day, they start to dip so that by 8 p.m., 10 p.m., you can fall asleep. And then the next day, we rinse and repeat. And it's the same pattern with DHEA, which I mentioned before, is a steroid hormone and related to cortisol. The problem is when we have these chronically high cortisol levels, at first, the cortisol at all times of the day will rise. And eventually, it will spike but if this is chronic high cortisol, like this response where you're stressed out all the time and there's no relief, if it keeps going over months and months and years and years, the levels start to bottom out with cortisol resistance. And this is when we start to see more of the symptoms of adrenal fatigue, which is chronically exhausted all the time. I have low blood sugar. If I stand up too fast, I feel dizzy, you know, all of these things. And then the inability to lose weight, you start to feel completely flattened after your normal workouts, which used to make you feel really good. It eventually gets to the point where people who have cortisol resistance need things like stimulants, like caffeine, or they need some kind of high intensity workout to feel any kind of normalcy because their cortisol levels have gone so low that the only way for them to get back to baseline is to use these stimulants to bite, but ugh, English is hard, <laughs> bump the cortisol back up again, basically. But 
doing those things is basically like putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Because if you continue to use stimulants over the long term, your cortisol is just going to continue to bottom out. And you're not solving the initial issue of why you have this chronic cortisol resistance or adrenal fatigue or whatever you want to call it in the first place. So like we were saying before, in order to truly heal, you have to go back to the root cause and do kind of like a lifestyle assessment of what am I doing that's making me feel so crappy? And what stinks about that is sometimes it's the things that you love the most that are actually causing the most harm. For example, CrossFit, like anyone who has tried CrossFit and enjoyed it, it's a, it's a cultish thing for a reason, right? Like it's very addictive. It's great for people with type A personalities who have, who do really well with the black and white, who are abstainers, you know, all of that. But the problem is that those people are also very prone to getting something like adrenal fatigue because it is those type A personalities who we are entrepreneurs. And that was another part of my story that I was going to talk about. But it's like we're entrepreneurs, we're, you know, CEOs, we have high profile jobs, we put our all into everything that we do. And that's definitely the kind of personality that lends itself to adrenal fatigue. But when you love something like CrossFit so much that you start doing it every day, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week, two times a day, like if you already have a stressful job and stressful relationship and stressful life on top of all of that, your body eventually is not going to be able to handle it. There's a reason why Olympic athletes and elite athletes and CrossFit Games athletes, why their athletics and their training and their eating and their recovery is their job because they can't handle anything else without basically being pushed into a state of cortisol resistance or injuries or all of these things that they can't control because they need to be taking care of themselves 24 seven, which for the rest of us, normal people, like we don't have time to do that, which is why we all get adrenal fatigue. <laughs> yeah, just as much as they work out, it's like they they spend the same amount of time doing very like recovery type of things. You know what I mean? Like it's like they're wearing the like the big recovery boots and the yeah. you know, like they're doing ice ice baths and they're like laying in a meditation tank and I mean, it's like every little bit of biohacking that you can do to recover and rest is like that's I mean, that's how they spend the other half of their time when they're not training. And so we looked at these people, even like, you know, CrossFit athletes are like that who go to the games and stuff. And we're like, oh, man, look at all the stuff they do. And we think to ourselves, which I know you have done this. I did, used to do this all the time. Oh, well, all I did was run for two hours today. You know, Olympic athletes run. They, they work out five hours a day or whatever. And you like kind of you you <laughs> you negotiate how much you're doing based on what you know, the, the elite athletes are doing elsewhere, but it, we aren't spending the same amount of time recovering and resting. So, yeah. Um, okay, I want to jump into questions because we have so many and this will kind of guide our discussion because as, as you explained, it is very complicated. And it's hard to know if you have adrenal fatigue and what to do when you're there. And it's all very situational. So the first question we have is from... Um, ooh, lot, it's a complicated Instagram name, Kalar Hyanna Jones. So we'll go with that. How do you know if you have adrenal fatigue? What are some basic telltale signs? So there are basically two 
two ways to figure out if you have adrenal fatigue. One way is much more expensive than the other one. And that one is to do this saliva testing that I was talking about, that I was talking about before is a, it's a cortisol panel and it's really a pain in the butt because you have to take a saliva sample every four hours for an entire 24 hour period to see where your cortisol and DHEA levels are. You send it back to the lab and they tell you, you have high cortisol, you have low cortisol, you know, all these things. But the problem with those is, in addition to being really expensive, is if you've never done a cortisol panel before, you don't know where your levels were to start with. You don't know what your optimal levels are, so you don't really have anything to compare to. And they, of course, have a medical reference range that they can compare to, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're comparing you to the optimal reference range for you. Um, So what I prefer to do with people is to assess them based on their symptoms. So some of the telltale symptoms... Um, that I'll see in people are, like I was talking about before, if you are doing workouts that you're used to doing and you feel completely flattened after them, like not just for the five minutes prior to the work or post the workout, but you feel like completely flattened and you need to take a nap two hours after or three hours after. And the next day, just the thought of doing another workout, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't. One of the telltale signs is if you are what we like to call tired and wired, So if you have a lot of trouble getting up in the morning and you feel like you cannot function without caffeine, but then at night, say around 10 p.m., you're getting ready to go to bed or maybe you're watching Netflix and you're not getting ready to go to bed and you get a second wind and then it's really hard for you to fall asleep. But then here's the vicious cycle is that the next morning you wake up and you cannot get out of bed, but then the following night you can't fall asleep, right? So that's called being tired and wired. And that comes from your cortisol levels in the morning are being bottomed out. And then at night they spike again, kind of like an artificial spike because most people that are dealing with adrenal fatigue symptoms tend to need to rely on these stimulants like caffeine in order to even function throughout the day. Um, one of the other ones that I briefly mentioned before is if you have pretty low blood pressure or at least lower than is normal for you. So if you stood up too fast, you would get a little bit dizzy. And this is because your sodium and your electrolytes are a little bit out of balance. Some of the other ones are just like, you know, inability to recover from everyday life. Or if you feel like you can't manage stress anymore as well as you used to. For example, if you get Uh, like a fire email from your boss that you need to do immediately before, maybe you would have been like, okay, I got this. Like, you know, let me just put all my other stuff aside. If you get that email and you just feel like you want to cry and there's like, if just one more thing gets put on your plate, you're not going to be able to handle it. That's also a really good sign that there might be something going on here. Listen up for a new offer for free electrolytes for everyone, even if you've already made a purchase. When you are dehydrated, you need more than just water. Your body also needs minerals. That's because water absorption in your cells is dependent upon electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium, and you lose electrolytes when you sweat and when you go to the bathroom, and you have to replenish them through food and supplementation. If you're active or you follow a whole foods diet or you're stressed and struggling with adrenal dysfunction, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. Deficiencies can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and sleep disturbances, or those stars when you go from seated to standing, especially on workout days, which was my experience. I let that go on for far too long, and now that I replace my electrolytes, I can tell you that 
I have not had that happen in so long. I also have much better recovery and can handle more workouts. Element is by far the best electrolyte supplementation Coming from somebody who spent years in the endurance world, I can say that confidently. They make grab-and-go electrolyte replacement with no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. It's travel-friendly, too, and great for kids. My kids love it. We even took it with us on vacation. And everyone gets a free gift with purchase. Element comes in boxes of 30, and there is free shipping on all orders. And now all orders will get a free 8-pack, which has all the flavors of Element. To get it, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. And make sure to use our code wellfed for the free sample 8-pack. Again, that's Drink element.com forward slash well-fed. Um, okay, second question is from Gabby Anderson. So excited for this. I have two questions. Number one, where does one even begin when in suspected full-on adrenal fatigue, i.e. I have a history of major chronic stress, a lack of proper sleep, poor diet, chronic nerve, and spinal pain, and I've had this for years. How do how do I even begin? And then two, what are your recommended methods for dealing with chronic stress, especially when those stressors cannot be avoided or given up? And I had this question multiple times. For example, the next one is, what are some healthy ways to handle stress when the stressors cannot be removed because they are friends and family. (laughs) And then the next one was, how do we handle chronic stress? I'm typically somebody who has high stress and I can't remove it. I have two babies under two. I work from home with kids in the house, etc. So there are a lot of scenarios in which people have these like chronic stressors that they can't remove. So what are we supposed to do in those situations? Yes. Um, yeah. So did you, I hope I hope you heard all those questions. Sorry. So to review, one, what you know, what do we do? How do we even begin with trying to heal full-on suspected adrenal fatigue? And then two, how do we manage this chronic stress when we can't remove it? Yes. Um, so the first thing, like we were saying before, is bringing awareness to the stress and what got you here in the first place. So one exercise that if any of my clients are listening to this, they'll laugh because I do this with every single one of my clients is, um, I give them an exercise called a stress list and I need you to write down every single thing in your life from the smallest thing, like, Oh, I have to do the dishes later to the biggest thing. Like, wow, I have a major project or like a trial for work in a couple of months. And you need to write down every single thing on your list. And It might take you a couple of days to do this because I'm sure you can think of, you know, five or six things in your life that are super stressful and like really big things right now. But like we were saying before, you also want to think about what are the positive stressors in my life, like exercise that you enjoy, but can still be a physical stress on the body to the negative stressors. Like I hate my body and thoughts, negative thoughts about your body and trying to control your food and trying to control all these things. And we're smack dab in the middle of the holidays right now. That's probably a big stress too. So once you've gotten down all of your stressors, start to go through your list and pick out the things that you can eliminate, pick out some things that maybe you can delegate. So for example, if you really don't like preparing meals, if you don't like cooking, maybe you get something like prep dish, like Noel was talking about before, or maybe you get a like real food meal delivery service or something like that in your area. So then you don't even have to think about it. And then for the things that you can't eliminate, we then have to figure out 
how can we manage those? Right. And so obviously if you have two toddlers, like you can't just get rid of the kids because that would be immoral. And like, you don't want to do that. Doing what you can to manage the stress that you know is going to be in your life every day. And also changing the way that you internalize that stress, right? So maybe like changing your mindset. So for example, if you get really stressed about the traffic that you have to deal with going into work every morning, like you can't get rid of the traffic unless you maybe leave three hours earlier, but then you're stuck at work for an extra three hours, right? So maybe instead of just getting really stressed about the traffic and like hoping that you're just not going to be late for a meeting, change your mindset and say, okay, if I have to spend an extra 20 minutes in the car this morning, then I get to listen to a podcast. I get to listen to a Harry Potter audible book. There you go. I stuck it in here (laughs) or like listen to some music or something you enjoy, you know, and then thinking about how both how we can change the way we internalize these stressors so they don't Uh, impact us on such a deep level and then finding ways to manage our stress and take care of ourselves. And that doesn't have to be some stupidly glamorized version of self-care like you see on Instagram. Like you need to figure out the self-care practices that work well for you. Because as much as I would love to take a bubble bath with 20 candles around and be listening to like a symphony music every night to manage my stress, that's not realistic and it's not going to happen, right? So like what I like to do to manage my stress is take my dog for a walk in the park, or I will honestly throw on a Harry Potter audible book, or I will, you know, if I have clients all day and I'm supposed to go to like, coaches swimming something and then like, or maybe go to a CrossFit class that night. And I'm just like, I'm so stressed out. I can't just start saying no to more things. Start saying no to what you can. And this is why the other parts of the stress list are so important because if we're eliminating what stress we can and delegating what some of the other stresses, then the stress that we can't eliminate becomes much more easy to handle. So maybe this is doing self-care things like, you know, you do a charcoal face mask or you just, you know, you stop responding to emails after 8 p.m. Because if someone emails you after 8 p.m., honestly, it can wait until the next day, you know, or you stop checking your work stuff when you get home from work, doing little things like this. Or honestly, even if body image is a huge stress for you, detoxing your social media from anything that doesn't make you feel good about yourself. Because as much as we tell ourselves that, you know, body image is not a big stress or, you know, maybe you have realized it's a big stress, but you don't know how to get rid of it. Like that's not, that's something you can manage and eventually eliminate, but it does take work to get on there. You know, and in response to the person who said, I have two little toddlers and I can't sleep through the night. Like that is Noelle has a lot more that she could say on this subject than I can because I have no kids. But like you can also just take naps when you can. Right. As far as I know, like that's what you do. (laughs) Right. But you 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 said it perfectly, which is you have to start saying no to other things. And so if that means not putting stress on your body by trying to do the mental (laughs) the mental gymnastics of. figuring out how to get to the gym and then be in the gym. And then when you're in the gym, you're like, oh, crap, I've only got 10 minutes left. And then you're kind of like rushing home and now you're late and now you've now dinner's behind. And it just it's like, so how can you say no to things to simplify your day? And I'm very honest and open about this. The year postpartum after Stella, I really didn't work out at all. I mean, I did physical therapy, um, which, again, I was working on on recovering my body and getting back into it. And that's not perfect. And that's not the solution for everybody. But pretty much the whole story was I still wasn't at a place where I felt like 
one, I had the motivation and the mental uh, capacity to take that on. But two, like physically, I was just, I am very prone to, you know, adrenal quote unquote fatigue. And I think that the way that my body operates is I, I do, I, am I, I, I think we all have this individual, like the way that our body expresses itself when it's un, under chronic stress is very individual. And for me, that's the way my body expresses stress. And so for some people, like, you know, people say, well, I get, I uh, lost my period. And I don't know, like, why did that happen? And so that's what happens for some people. That's like your sign, you know, like, oh, boop, you're kind of, you're in in chronic stress when your period starts to be a little longer, for example, or you start to, you know, miss your period. And that can be, you know, somebody's expression or somebody can start to deal with a little bit of hypothyroidism and, or, you know, they start to feel some of those thyroid symptoms or they start to have autoimmune flares. And so it's just like people have different expressions. And for me, and I think for a lot of women, we tend to just feel really drained in all of those symptoms of, oh, I'm not feeling right. You know, all this, this kind of like adrenal fatigue feeling is setting in. And so once you know that about yourself, once you know, like, wow, I am prone to this, you have to be very sensitive to that moving forward with stressful points in your life. And I can tell you, I don't, I don't give it a second thought. I don't think about what does my body look like? Or, oh, did I eat enough vegetables today? I eat in a way that makes me feel good. I eat in a way that is going to nourish my body and I try to move, but I'm not making myself super stressed out about it. You know what I mean? And if I don't get into the gym until, you know, eight months postpartum, like, that's okay. You know what I mean? You do the best that you can. And instead, maybe you get out in the sun and you walk and you expose your skin to some vitamin D and or you do yoga at home or you just take more naps when if if and when you can. Naps are the best. Yeah. Highly recommend naps. <laughs> so yeah, and it, it, it is hard in the beginning. You know, the first, I would say the first six months are very hard to actually nap because it's like your kid only goes down for a little bit and then they're up. And it's just like you're trying to keep your life straight and in order. And so you want to get stuff done during naps. But once you kind of get into a schedule, it's nice. Um, of course, and then we also have people who are working and trying to balance being a mom and, and working full time. And that's a whole other thing. Like you really have to start saying no to a lot more. <laughs> um, and, and so that's really the solution is just where can I peel off these other layers of stress, whether that's not traveling on the holidays, you know what I mean? Or, or not doing the things that you typically do in order to just make sure that you're recovering and like keeping yourself in a good sleep cycle. What can you give up so that you can sleep more? That's always my, my concern is like, how do I sleep more? Yeah. And then really listening to your body through this whole process is going to be your gauge. And obviously that's easier said than done, but like I said before, an easy way to listen to your body is if, if you do a workout and you feel flattened for a day or two or three, like that was too much, you know? So let's pull it back and let's go for a walk. Let's do some yoga at home. Honestly, when I was at the worst of my adrenal fatigue, doing a 10 minute yoga flow was too much for me. And it was so hard coming from being that person who was swimming and doing CrossFit for like four to six hours a day because I was an athlete in college. And like, that was part of my job, you know, being in school and then being an athlete, it was like half and half, but coming from that background, it was so hard for me to come to terms with the fact that I felt like my body was betraying me. Like I was so used to doing all of these things. And then it was like, how can I not do a 10 minute yoga flow without needing to do, take a nap afterwards. And that was the other thing, like entrepreneurs and people that are type A personalities and prone to adrenal fatigue, like 
I was never a person who took naps <laughs> since I was a little kid, right? When I was going through all this recovery and everything, no joke, I took a nap almost every single day for probably four or five months. Wow. And they were only like 20 minute naps, but it was the kind of good naps where you know you need them because you wake up and you were drooling. Like that's <laughs> when you know you need a nap. It's like being a little kid again. And I would just be so exhausted. And I had to come to terms with the fact that like, that was okay. This is all a part of the process. And another thing going back to like, how can you start to manage this is getting rid of inflammation and inflammatory people in your life, basically, <laughs> and yeah. inflammatory things. And this includes like, exercise that is inflammatory to you, foods that are inflammatory to you. And what's super interesting is that cortisol is actually the body's response to inflammation. Like if you think about cortisone cream or cortisone shots, those are to prevent inflammation in your joints and stuff like that. And so when we're talking about cortisol and getting rid of inflammation in all of these different aspects in terms of food this talk this is like incorporating a lot of nutrient dense foods into your diet right like vitamin c rich foods like eat the rainbow healthy fats starchy carbohydrates like what you need all of these things this is not the time to keto when you're in adrenal fatigue just please don't but just incorporating more things that are nourishing to your body and then being mindful of the things that we know are inflammatory to the body because your body is already in a compromised state. And now this is a little bit tricky because again, we don't want to put restrictions on foods because this can lead to binging and it can lead to all sorts of mind games and gymnastics and stuff. But at the same time, you want to be mindful of the foods that you're consuming that could be inflammatory to your body and cause more physical stress to your body, right? So that's not saying you have to cut out the holidays desserts because please don't, please eat, you know, the pumpkin pie or apple pie or whatever it is that you eat on Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all the things. Enjoy everything, but be mindful of the foods that don't make you feel good because those are the ones that are not going to contribute to your healing. In terms of getting rid of inflammation from exercise, we've kind of touched on this already, but doing any kind of super high intensity interval training or spin classes or training for a marathon or half marathon or chronic cardio or CrossFit or any of these things, even if you love them and they think you think it's a stress reliever for you, it's probably too much for you right now. And so just for now, it's a good idea to try and figure out another form of movement, not even necessarily exercise, that makes you feel more restored afterwards and for a couple of days afterwards, not just five minutes afterwards when you're on the endorphin high, than something else. And then in terms of the people, this is a hard one. Um, especially because we're in the holidays and, you know, you're going to be seeing people and friends and family that you don't normally get to see that much. And maybe you see them and they're like, Oh my God, you look so great. Have you lost weight? Or, Oh my gosh, did you, they wouldn't say, have you gained weight? But you know, you know, the looks that people give and you know, all this stuff. And how about we just change the dialogue or, you know, you just you can make them feel uncomfortable and say, I really don't appreciate you talking about that. Or I would rather not talk about this right now. And don't, don't put up with other people's BS or other people's projections of their own insecurities onto you. You have to stand up for yourself. And this goes for self-care too. And especially like if you have little kids or you're a caregiver or if you're taking care of anyone, it's like the oxygen mask analogy on an airplane. 
you have to put your mask on first so you can put it on your kids. Because if you put it on your kids and then you pass out and then like there's nothing else you can do, your kids have to fend for themselves, right? So at least you put your mask on first, like you take care of yourself first. This is a time when it's okay to be a little bit selfish because in the long term, you're taking care of yourself so that you can feel better so that you can take care of other people. Um, I know that a lot of people, that'll free up a lot of people to to do that because I even the comments and the things that I get in, in my Instagram messages, which I do get a lot and I don't get to look through all of them, but I... Um, when some of them come through, it's often like, ah, I'm handed into this time or this holiday season where I know I'm going to get this comment or that comment. Or, you know, I have a family member who's doing this and I don't know what to do about it. Or, my, you know, my family member's n- not respecting me regarding my kid. Like, how do I deal with this? And I'm like, you, ha- you have to take charge <laughs> and stand up for yourself and your health and what you believe in. You know what I mean? You can't just continue to be... Of, no, I don't want to say a victim, but, you know, you can't continue to be swayed and or let yourself be controlled, your health be controlled by somebody else's comments or opinions or, you know, desires when it comes to what they expect or what they believe. And so standing up for yourself and what you believe in and protecting yourself and your health, I think is very, very important. And it's something that we all grow into as we get older, but it does take a shift. It takes something like this, where you really do have a compromised state or you're, you're, you have compromised health and you realize just how important that is. One important thing to mention before we take more questions is like, um, I mentioned before that I felt like my body was betraying me. And it's important to acknowledge this and to not let that become another source of stress because now it's easy for me to look back and say like, oh, you know, you never want to say you're grateful for an eating disorder or for adrenal fatigue or anything. But if I hadn't gone through all of those things, I would probably still be working in politics, hating my life instead, like. I have my own nutrition business where I'm able to help women through these kinds of things that I went through because I have been through them personally and now I have been trained in them too. But we really need to remember that even though you've basically hit rock bottom and you're going through all these things and it's really frustrating, if on top of all this stress, you start to feel disappointed in your body and you hate your body and you feel betrayed by it and everything, if you allow yourself to just dwell on those feelings, then it's not, it's going to impede your recovery too. And I'm not saying you shouldn't feel those feelings. Like those are things that we need to go through. It's kind of like, (laughs) so I have celiac disease and I always tell people that whenever you get a diagnosis like this, you kind of go through a mourning period a little bit because you're like, oh my God, I can never eat gluten or bread again and (laughs) anything. This is awful. But then afterwards it's like, okay, well, I know because I'm not going to be eating that, I'm actually going to be feeling a lot better. And this is great, you know? So kind of thinking of this as a blessing in disguise that this has happened now, because then once you, if you truly go through the healing process and you truly go through what we've been saying and take it to heart and really try and get out of this mindset of perfectionism and get away from the adrenal fatigue and stuff, you won't have to go through this again. So hopefully if you go through it now, then this isn't something you'll have to deal with again during the future. So you can kind of be grateful like, okay, you know, I'm going through it. I'm hit rock bottom. I'm in the thick of it. 
but now I won't have to do it again afterwards. It's officially cold and flu season, and man, this is a season. You all have been feeling it and hearing it in my voice. And when it comes to recovering quicker from sickness, one of my recommendations is always to take a probiotic because your gut and your immune system are inextricably linked. But not just any probiotic, one that actually makes it into your gut. As I learn more about supplement and supplement companies, it's really the wild, wild west out there. Anyone can really say anything, and most will take shortcuts to keep prices low. After a lot of research, I personally use and trust Bioptimizer's P3OM probiotic. It's a proteolytic probiotic, meaning it's really good at breaking down protein, and it's proven to be maintainable in the human digestive tract. There's no reason to spend thousands of dollars at a health food store on a probiotic that may or may not do anything. P3OM is called the Navy SEAL by researchers due to its ability to kill bad bacteria. You can even see a video of P3OM breaking down food at p3om.com forward slash well-fed. And here's some more awesome news. You can get 10% off P3OM right now by going to P3, the letter O, M, dot com forward slash well-fed and typing in the coupon code well-fed10. And if you're not happy with your order, their support team will give you all your money back. No questions asked. Again, that's p3om.com forward slash well-fed. Use the code well-fed10 to get 10% off. I do have a really great question. What's the best way to determine if symptoms, exhaustion, sleep troubles, low energy, brain fog, mood swings are due to adrenal fatigue or Hashimoto's Hashimoto's, or just being postpartum? So many of my symptoms seem to overlap or does it even matter? Are their treatments recommendations the same regardless of cause? And I know you touched on this before, but you know, a lot of these symptoms overlap with other conditions. How do you know if you are experiencing adrenal fatigue or if it's something else? hundred percent. So the interesting thing about the adrenals and the pituitary and the hypothalamus and the thyroid is they are all connected, right? So a lot of the time when people have thyroid issues, they also have adrenal issues. A lot of the time when people have adrenal issues, they also have thyroid issues. So generally I love to start with the stress management part of the adrenal piece and assessing like, where did all of this stress and where did these symptoms come from? Because even if this is being caused by Hashimoto's or postpartum stuff, it's not going to hurt you to manage your stress and get rid of some of the BS in your life, you know? And if it is coming from the adrenals, then you'll start to see improvement. Even if it's coming from Hashimoto's, you'll probably start to see improvement. Um, In terms of figuring out which one it is, especially if If you believe it's Hashimoto's or if you believe it's adrenal stuff, those are very easy to work synergistically together. Obviously, with Hashimoto's, you want to go get your thyroid levels tested by someone who actually knows what they're doing and what lab tests to ask for. Um, And then as for the postpartum stuff, that is not my area of expertise. So I don't know what to say to that one. (laughs) I think it's really, I mean, so... Uh, in the postpartum period, really all that we're struggling with is all this stuff, right? Um, One of the things that that women tend, that is very common in the postpartum period is thyroid issues. Um, And that's not to say that it's caused by pregnancy, but really, you know, after you're pregnant, you have your baby and, you know, your hormones do tend to regulate and all the things and you get back to normal. And let's say, you know, you're, you're past that fourth trimester, that new, that newborn phase, and you're kind of, you have a three month old or older. Now it's just about maintaining health, doing all those things that we're talking about and making sure that 
you are taking care of yourself so that you don't get into some situation like adrenal fatigue or like hypothyroidism or, you know, there might be a trigger there for some sort of um, autoimmune condition. And a lot of it comes from women continuing to breastfeed, but then, of course, trying to lose weight, eat less, work out all of a sudden and not getting a lot of sleep. And so calories go way down, but output is way up. And we need that. We need those calories in order to feed other humans. And, you know, especially if we're breastfeeding. And um, and so it's kind of like this big cluster <laughs> of like the, the, you know, the crap hitting the fan. Um, because we're trying to do all of these things we think we quote unquote should be doing, we, you know, getting our body back, so to speak. And all of that really is just, you know, plummets us into adrenal fatigue or thyroid issues or just hormonal imbalance, all those things. So not much different really when you think about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, some suggestions of things to do when chronic stress affects digestion, in addition to trying to re- reduce the stress, of course. So I know that, um, Uh, chronic stress obviously does affect digestion. Do you have any specific tips on that? Yes, definitely. Um, So in terms of stress and digestion, um, eating under a state of stress can definitely impede and mess up your digestion. Really commonly, a big cause of bloating and indigestion and reflux is that we're all eating like we're starving children and we don't sit down to eat and we eat in our cars and we eat in a stressed out state And it's really hard for the body to break down food when you're in that fight or flight state rather than the rest and digest or parasympathetic nervous system. So one thing that we need to do if you're experiencing digestive issues and you're experiencing adrenal fatigue or any of this high stress is that we need to start more mindful eating basically. So try not to eat when you're in your car and don't eat when you're standing up. And how about we eat when we're sitting down and preferably not watching TV or checking our emails for work or any of these things. Because what happens when physiologically, if you are eating and you're in a stressed out state, your body is not primed to receive and digest and assimilate that food because it hasn't started producing bile. It hasn't released enough of your digestive enzymes or your pepsin or your stomach acid to break down your protein, carbs, and fats. So that's why we commonly experience a lot of like digestive distress if we're eating while we're standing up or we're walking around or we're really stressed out and we're swallowing a lot of air because your body is not ready with the raw materials in order to break down and digest and actually assimilate that food. There's a new saying that's been going around that it's not you aren't what you eat, you are what you actually digest and assimilate. So this is the other thing here is because You could be eating all of the nutrient-dense food in the world, but if you're stressed out while you're eating it, those nutrients aren't actually going to get into your cells, which could result in the long-term in nutrient deficiencies, which most likely, if you're dealing with adrenal fatigue, you're probably dealing with a host of vitamin and nutrient deficiencies because there are a couple of vitamins like vitamin C and B vitamins and the minerals like magnesium that become more depleted the more stressed out you are because the whole cortisol and the physiological processes that go along with stress use up those vitamins and minerals in order to allow the body to try and deal with all of the physical effects of stress. So what's kind of messed up is like the more stressed we become, the more deficient we become in these kinds of supplements and vitamins and minerals and all this kind of stuff. 
but we need more of them when we're stressed. So we kind of get into this vicious cycle of, okay, I am really stressed and I'm not absorbing and assimilating my food. And the more stressed that I am, I'm becoming even more deficient in all of these things. So how do I fix this? The simplest answer is to sit down while you are eating and take three deep breaths before you start eating and chew your food (laughs) is the first place to start and try not to eat with distractions. Um, Obviously, there are a lot of other digestive issues that we can talk about, like IBS and IBD and SIBO and all of these things, which can all be caused by, in a sense, stress and the physiological ramifications of stress in the long term. But a really good place to start is with mindful eating and slowing down and trying not to eat while you're stressed out. Easier said than done. (laughs) It's so like when you're trying to scarf down food and and get it done quickly, it's like, oh, I have to sit and actually breathe and take this in. I that's one of the things that's so hard that was so hard to work on with my clients was like getting them to actually chill, not eat at their desk or not eat in their car and like sit and take some deep breaths and then eat. I mean, it's hard. We're really conditioned to do everything very quickly. It's not in our culture to like sit and enjoy a meal like it is in other cultures where they take hours, you know? And then uh, this has, this is a great follow-up, but does adrenal fatigue cause sleep issues? And it seems like adrenal issues need so desperately sleep. You know, your body needs sleep when it is dealing with this chronic stress, but for a lot of people, they can't sleep well. So what is, does, does it affect sleep? And then how can we, how can we deal with that? Are there supplements or things that can be taken? Yeah, there are definitely, there's definitely a causative relationship. It's kind of like a chicken and egg thing, because obviously if you're not sleeping well, your adrenal fatigue symptoms are going to get worse. But if you have adrenal fatigue um, with the whole tired and wired thing, it's definitely going to be harder for you to fall asleep. And some people, if they're having blood sugar dysregulation issues, which is also super common with adrenal fatigue, um, like the hangriness, and we actually didn't mention this before, but commonly people with adrenal fatigue will kind of get the um, hangriness or they'll get lightheaded every couple of hours if they don't eat because physiologically cortisol in the body, what it does is pull stored energy via blood sugar from the muscles and from other storage sites and puts it into your blood so that if you needed to respond to a stressor, like run from a tiger, all of the blood sugar is in your muscles so that in preferably in your legs and your glutes, because they're your biggest muscles so that you could run away from the tiger. Um, but since we have a constant influx of cortisol, we have constant blood sugar, like a roller coaster basically, and, uh, dysregulation issues, but that can also cause you to wake up in the middle of the night, usually around two or 3 AM, depending on when you get to bed. The best thing that you can do about this is start establishing a really solid nighttime routine and trying to bump up your bedtime. So it's a little bit earlier, maybe doing like 15 minutes earlier per week is a pretty easy thing to do. But there are other things you can do, like change the lights in your bedroom so that you have maybe a Himalayan salt lamp or you just have like red lights or you put the app um, like night shift on your phone or flux on your computer if you have to be on for late or doing blue blocking glasses, right? Things that are going to help with your circadian rhythms. One thing that also helps is trying not to eat right before you go to bed because it's pretty hard to digest your food and also fall asleep at the same time. Um, But trying to establish some sleep hygiene so that you're in the best environment possible to be able to fall asleep 
I'd rather do all of those things before we even think about supplementation with any of my clients, because when I think about supplementation, I only like to use supplements for a few reasons. Um, if you have a proven deficiency on lab work or something, if you're taking a medication that causes a deficiency, or if I believe by doing, you know, an adrenal assessment or any of these things that you probably have an, a, a deficiency in some vitamin or nutrient based on the symptoms we're experiencing. Um, so a couple of the things that I have found to be really helpful are doing adaptogens like reishi, um, or doing, uh, What's the other one like ashwagandha. There are other ones like rhodiola, but that can be really stimulating for people. So it really depends. But doing something like a reishi tea before bed can be super helpful or doing a magnesium supplement. There's one that I really like um, that also has a little bit of GABA, which is a calming um, inhibitory neurotransmitter and some L-theanine um, and a little bit of melatonin in it. If you're really, really struggling to get to sleep, melatonin could be a good option, but I would definitely work with a practitioner on that because if you take too much melatonin over an extended period of time, your body can become a little bit dependent on it because it works like a hormone in the body um, and you don't want to become dependent on something like that so that your body stops producing it. But yeah, that's basically the long and short of it. Optimizing your sleep environment, um, establishing a nighttime routine. And one thing that also I've found was super helpful for me in particular and a lot of my clients too with when I was our adrenal, little English, when I was dealing with a lot of adrenal fatigue stuff and the body image stuff and everything like that, I found that doing journaling right before I went to bed was super helpful because especially because I'm an entrepreneur, like I constantly have things that are going on in my mind, especially when you're about to go to sleep and you're like, why did I say that thing to Jimmy in fourth grade? That was really dumb. You know, when you're oh 30 years old and you yes. don't know why you're thinking of these the things. The worst. Yeah. Why do so, we do that? It's the worst. <laughs> I know. So I think journaling is super helpful. Um, even just doing like a stream of consciousness, consciousness writing or like a brain dump or something like that. And you can even write down all of the things that you want to remember tomorrow so that you're, you're not constantly thinking about them at night. Because I find that's a really big thing for people is they can't fall asleep because they're thinking about all of these things. Well, a really great way to get rid of that is if you write them all down on a piece of paper, you can feel free to stop thinking about them because if you need to remember them in the morning, you've already written them down on the list. Um, so that can kind of ease your mind before you go to bed too. Yeah, those are great tips. Hey, Dana, I think we're going to have to do a part two. <laughs> so we are we are over time, but we didn't get to um, some of our really big topics, which I really would like to dive into a little bit more with you if you're down to do a part two. Oh, um, 100% down. Okay. I yeah. love talking, if you can't tell. Okay, well, so <laughs> same, same. We'll have no this is problem. This we have podcasts. Yeah. So we have quite a few more questions, but I think next time, next episode, we need to go into specifically healing the adrenals while continuing to do CrossFit and and trying to work out and then, you know, what that all looks like and how do we navigate all those scenarios and then what to do when we're actually healed um, and how do we move about our lives? You know, I think that that's a really popular topic is, okay, like I know this is a thing, but now every time CrossFit again, can I never run again? And I think we really have 
we need to unpack and explore a lot of that stuff. So how about you tell us where we can find you and then we'll bring you on and we'll address all these other questions uh, a second time. Hopefully in the next few weeks we'll we'll get it done. (laughs) That sounds good. Okay. Um, Okay. So you can find me at all of the things Real Food with Dana. Um, My blog is realfoodwithdana.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Real Food with Dana. Don't even bother to try and find me on Twitter because I'm never on there. Mm -mm. Um, But my podcast is Real Talk with Dana, and you can find that anywhere on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, we'll link to all that in the show notes. Hop over and listen to her podcast now if you want more from her. But we will be bringing her on again shortly to answer all of these other questions. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at wellfedwomen so you can get your questions in for episodes like this. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can do it really simply in the Apple Podcasts app. And uh, of course, leave us the five stars and let us know any comments or things or what team you're on or what apples you like, all the things. We love it. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. 